0: You don't sound autistic. Well, uh, what does an autistic person Wait. sound like? You're autistic? Yeah, I'm telling you that. You don't even look autistic. But what, what, we're talking about... Yeah, but I don't buy it. But I, I was diagnosed with autism and ADHD and anxiety and depression. You don't sound autistic. Welcome back to You Don't Sound Autistic. I'm Blake. And I'm Michelle. And I'm autistic. And I'm not. And today we are going to be talking about something (laughs) as soon as i pull up my agenda um well first of all uh want to thank all the listeners again so thank you Mm -hmm.
1: not only that but thank you for participating on our facebook group and if you're not already um a member of our group then reach out to us at you don't sound autistic
0: right there on facebook
1: Mm -hmm. join the conversation
0: and please feel free to share the podcast with anyone that you think it might help um, mm-hmm. and also invite them to join the group. Uh, we are That's why the group is open. So we're, we're uh, hope, hoping to have a bit more of a conversation uh, in that group. So uh, we do appreciate anyone that has made some comments mm-hmm. and share their stories with us. And in fact, uh, one of the... Uh, Topics that we're going to be talking about is uh, how autism presents in females versus males. Now, of course, I'm not a woman (laughs) and I don't (laughs) identify as a woman. So I don't, uh, I I can only offer my perspective on this, but uh, we did find an article that um, maybe some people would find enlightening. So we're going to go ahead and go into that. Uh, But first, Rochelle, did you want to talk about your website again?
1: Yeah, so I have a website, uh, rochellechandler.com, where I am dedicating time uh, basically for hire. So one-on-one coaching sessions. If you think that neurodiversity or neurobiodiversity is something that you um, are experiencing in your family, but you don't exactly kind of know what you're dealing with, um, then it's a great opportunity to reach out and we can work one-on-one. It's designed to really help you um, have a safe place to talk about where you're noticing breakdowns in daily life and then we can work together to figure out how we can bridge those breakdowns turn them into breakthroughs and then at what point um you know might you need to follow up with a medical or mental health professional for additional evaluation but um so i don't do any diagnosing but i do support um there's an entire process designed around learning to make meaningful observations and how powerful meaningful observations is in this lifestyle of neurobiodiversity, And then we also can work together to turn those meaningful observations into meaningful changes. Those are two things that the doctors don't give you even with a diagnosis. So that's a gap that I have identified. It's been a big gap um, and it's one that I'm, I'm filling. So those sessions are available uh, at, <clears throat> at com. Sorry, I am recovering from a really wicked <laughs> allergy cold from this week. Apparently everything blooms in Georgia. <clears throat> so pardon me. You're forgiven. <laughs> Thank you.
0: And um, but I guess before we get into this article... Um, Rochelle made a point to say that, you know, we should probably talk about the fact that we missed last week. Yes. Uh, we did start recording an episode and I may include that as some kind of bonus content or something like that, um, in the future, but for now it's a lost episode. Mm -hmm. Um, I was dealing with some intestinal issues. I basically uh, was told by my doctor that I have diverticulitis and I have to completely change, my diet, and um, on top of that, I was feeling pretty bummed out, and just depression was hitting pretty hard that day. So we recorded, but it just wasn't great.
1: Well, and you were um, waiting for a medication refill. Right.
0: I also, I was I was missing, um, my methylphenidate was out, and so I was not feeling quite myself uh, that day.
1: It's a really big deal I mean when when you aren't feeling well um, I know that there's a, a strong social trend to push through and just perform and produce anyways and one of the things that I know we've we've learned the hard way is that um, you don't do that with a sensitive system you know it's more important to just if you're not feeling well don't push it and really baby yourself and you know at that point, with or without medication, not feeling well, it's a reason to take care of yourself. And, um, it's better to skip a week than push through.
0: So that's what we did. Yes. We skipped, we skipped, um, so out of, me-
1: out of health. <laughs> that's
0: right. We did it for you and, and we did it for me. <laughs> so, um, let me, so this, uh, this article is entitled 10 primary signs of autism in women. And it's on PsychologyToday.com. Mm -hmm. And it looks like the author of the article was Claire Jack, Ph.D. So uh, I've given all the appropriate recognition. This is not something that we wrote, but I will be reading from it and we'll be discussing as we go through.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And this was a listener's uh, request. I mentioned that. (coughs) Sorry. I
0: did. I did mention that.
1: Yes. So I'm, I'm... saying that I think it's a great, um, it's a great topic to cover because the signs of autism in women are, they really are completely different. And, um, one of the things that everyone is quick to recognize is that women are most likely underdiagnosed in the population, probably because the signs do look so different. It's currently thought of as a male, um, neurodevelopmental condition, but it's really not. We're just, they just haven't captured a stronger way to That's right. Men
0: don't get anything. (laughs) We always have to share it with women.
1: (laughs) You will eventually have to share it with women. Yes. I mean... Do you want me
0: to go ahead and read? I do. Okay. So the opening of the article reads, Women with autism tend to present differently than men, a fact which has often led to misdiagnosis and underdiagnosis. As a result, women who have autism and don't receive a diagnosis tend to judge themselves harshly for finding life difficult. What's Mm -hmm. more, mental health issues are common in women... With autism. Mm-hmm. In contrast, women who do receive a diagnosis often find that it has a positive impact on their confidence and self-esteem. They may even become advocates or mentors for other women with autism. Receiving a diagnosis can also help ensure that they receive the right kind of support and access any resources available. Any woman who has reached the point of wondering whether or not she has autism might find it hard to find definitive information given the fact that autism has predominantly been viewed as a male condition, which is what Rochelle just said. If she's experiencing many of these symptoms, however, it might, pr- it might point towards a diagnosis of autism. And then she talks about her book, Exploring the Difficulties in Securing a Diagnosis and Coming to Terms with Having Autism. And then, of course, we have the, the meat of the article, which is 1 through 10, The uh, Primary Signs of Autism in Women. Do you have anything to touch on in that first part? No,
1: let's dive in. I think that what she says is completely valid. Um, let's just see how much we agree with her one through tens.
0: Sure. I know that we had some uh, some disagreements as far as what some of these were, if, whether these were really applicable in, in an autism diagnosis, but here we go. Number one, social difficulties. One of the main reasons women beca- begin to wonder whether they have autism is a lifetime of social <laughs> difficulties. You're going to cough the whole time.
1: I moved away for the mic. (laughs)
0: Autism spectrum disorder is a developmental disorder, which means that people are born with autism, although it may not be obvious until later in life. Women with autism often find it difficult to read and respond to social cues. Many women navigate this difficulty by creating a social checklist and learning how to respond to people in socially appropriate ways. They often feel socially anxious, ruminate on their social interactions, and may end up feeling left out and lonely, despite their best efforts to be sociable. While autistic women may interact well in one-to-one situations, they often find it very hard to be in groups and may feel exhausted after too much social interaction.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with everything here, and especially the line where it says they often feel socially anxious, ruminate on their social interactions, and may end up feeling left out and lonely despite their best efforts. Um, I know many women with autism um, in various generations, so it doesn't really matter like how deep the autism groove is in the biology. I find this to be true.
0: My understanding is that there are definitely going to be parallels between how a man presents himself in an autistic way and, you know, and a woman will present with mm-hmm. their autism as well. But so I do identify with some of these things, but it is interesting to see, um, like I said, my understanding is that with so the women are, are better at masking and, and camouflaging in their social situations. A lot of times than autistic men.
1: Well, and part so it of becomes that becomes
0: difficult because people really don't see the autistic side, right? Um, and so it's uh, it's harder to catch.
1: Yeah, um, one of the reasons though is because women in social standards, unfortunately, there's uh, there aren't really heartfelt social guidelines running the neurotypical sort of <clears throat> structures right now. It's like the, the constructs that run a social <laughs> situation are more social judgment, right? Being catty, being like um, almost gossipy, like those are pretty common traits among women. And so your ability to look at something and be judgmental like that's if you can do that, you're instantly like in the crowd. Now, I don't agree with that type of social interaction, but unfortunately, that's most of the time what dominates um women's social interactions and so an autistic woman what I really appreciate is that they just don't see that it's bs it's like what what are we even doing you know that doesn't they don't look at things and socially judge and so one of the reasons why I think it's so easy for them to feel left out is because that's just not the way that their minds work um and to their credit I actually think that their social when when you really sit and interact with someone one-on-one, and you get to the heart of the matter between two people, you know, social judgment and criticism shouldn't really be part of the mix. Um, And so I think, unfortunately, they're held to a standard that is lower than them. And so that makes sense that they don't fit in. So I actually find it more enjoyable to um, discard the neurotypical social constructs and interact just one-on-one you just
0: want to hang out with autistic people all day
1: I just they I just find and you have
0: to because you have our kid <laughs> yeah and I'm hanging around sometimes
1: yes and I and I have a f- um, fair amount of friends but it's just one of the things I appreciate about an autistic individual is that um all of you tend to live in your hearts more and as an empath I live in my heart um, and we're on the both we're on both sides of the neurodiversity scale so it's just more enjoyable to socially interact when you're both coming from a place of like just love and heart versus judgment.
0: Okay. Can we move on to number two?
1: Please.
0: We'll be here forever. <laughs> number <laughs> two, sensory sensitivity.
1: Oh, this is, this is a true one. I, I agree with this one. Please read.
0: People with autism experience the world in a different way than neurotypical people. And many women with autism experience intense sensory sensitivity. They may have a heightened sense of awareness when it comes to smells, light, sounds, and touch. For someone with autism, it's not just a matter of not liking certain things. It's a sense of being unable to tolerate them. My clients have described being unable to sleep if people are breathing in the same room, having to leave a rail carriage because someone is eating, being unable to cross roads or drive due to sensory overload, and being unable to go shopping to shopping malls because of the light sounds and crowds. Mm Mm-hmm. See this one doesn't feel so specific to to females to me.
1: No, it's pretty wide um spread. I mean, I know that one of the things for Declan we we just can't even take it. We're he's getting better now, but before we knew that neurobiodiversity was part of his makeup, like I could not take him into big box stores. He would just completely right. lose it. And I would leave all my carts in the middle of the store and just be like, "I'm sorry. <laughs> I have to take him out." You know, so I don't think this is exclusive to women, but I don't think women get the credit because um, there's an expectation of multitasking regardless of like any kind of sensory input. You're just supposed to be able to handle it all and run and go. And so I think this is doing a really good job of calling attention to the fact that there's sensory overload for everyone.
0: Right. True. Number three, executive function, which I know this one.
1: I don't agree with. Go ahead and read it. But okay.
0: Many women with autism experience problems with executive function.
1: Now that statement is true.
0: (laughs) A set of skills that involves working memory, flexible thinking, and self-control. People with executive function problems might find it hard to organize themselves, finish tasks, and maintain emotional control. Whether in the workplace or at home, it can be hard for women to complete tasks such as keeping a clean house, maintaining healthy habits, or carrying out daily tasks such as showering and eating breakfast.
1: Yeah, while everything in this paragraph is correct, executive function is absolutely not a component of autism, whether you're male or female. It is a component of ADHD.
0: A dick huge disorder.
1: <laughs> not for women. <laughs> See, executive Depends function... Depends on the woman. Okay, well, fair enough. But executive function is an ADHD characteristic and it has nothing to do with autism because autism is about social and emotional reciprocity reciproci- reciprocity thank you <laughs> english
0: yep i knew what you were i knew i knew the word
1: <laughs> i couldn't get there um <laughs> i'm just making it up vitamin <laughs> i can't believe you knew how to do that what? um yes so but the, the reason why I think this is funny, that this is actually number three, is because 80% of the time, um, individuals, male or female, with autism also have one form of ADHD. They either have hyperactive um, ADHD, which is more common in males, or inattentive ADHD, which is more common in females. And actually what she's describing here is inattentive ADHD.
0: And that's when you're talking about when they describe women that are young girls a lot of times in schools are harder. They look more like they're daydreamers Uh and they don't have the hyperactivity that the boys have. And so they just go, Oh, she's just a a daydreamer. When in reality, that's how it presents in a young woman. So of course, if we're talking about ADHD, it's not autism, but like Rochelle said, a lot of times they are linked. And like for me specifically, it's linked. So it is something worth getting, you know, that dual diagnosis because you you're going to be dealing with um you're going to be dealing with different things because medication wise when i got the dual diagnosis my medication changed because it was a completely different ball game
1: drastically and, and
0: so you need to know yeah what you're what you're dealing with um physically because mm-hmm. a lot of times that medication can make a huge difference and not just the medication but also you know how better to, to just to take care of yourself mentally?
1: Well, there are two different sides of the brain that, that aren't, that, <coughs> excuse me, that really need attention. And so if autism is a factor, <laughs> I sorry. know, I excuse know, me. It's, <laughs> I, it's been horrible. I'm in, I'm in my, my <laughs> sessions this week and it's like, I'm sorry, I can't breathe. Um, but you, if you do have autism and ADHD, whether it's inattentive or hyperactive, you have a much more chemically sensitive body and brain. And so the medication's, most of the medications will be completely different. Plus you have to titrate up much slower and you have to start with smaller doses. And so you can't just go into it like you would with ADHD only medications. But at the same time, um, autism doesn't typically have issues organizing themselves, um, finishing tasks. Um, In fact, they're very much, that's how you know this isn't part of autism is that autism is very much the opposite. Uh, autism is inflexibly rigid about routine and will absolutely over organize to the point where you almost can't move them off of that task in order to get to the next task. You know, like it's completely the opposite. So, you know, here she says, um, whether in the workplace or at home, it can be hard for women to complete tasks. It's just cleaning a house. Well, that's not because, of a lack of focus it's just because it's a lack more it when those things happen in autism it's more just a lack of um, experiential skill set training like you're not teaching someone those experiences to to keep a clean house but in ADHD it's that they're just unfocused and can't finish the task so they're very very different what's key to know though is that an autistic mind will not have a problem organizing themselves. They almost organize themselves to a, a fault, to where they can't move and become a little too rigid. Number four. <laughs> I love when you don't <laughs> respond.
0: You you've said it all, Rochelle.
1: I'm looking for more number feedback. F- okay. Well. Okay. So actually, this proves my point. Go. Yes. Number ob- four.
0: Obsessive obsessive interests. Both men and women with autism tend to have specialized, intense interests. People with autism display what-if-then thinking and often want to go to the, get to the bottom of how something works. They may want to know every single fact about their interest. Right. While boys' and men's interests often focus on specific objects or things, women often display an intense interest in a wider range of subjects, including how the mind works or people, particularly romantic partners, crushes, or celebrities. Many women with autism are skilled researchers and may gravitate towards careers or hobbies which require a high level of intense focus. They sound like stalkers.
1: <laughs> Good paparazzi.
0: It sounds like like a stalker in the making.
1: Well, no, I mean, it makes sense, right? Because you're limiting the amount of social interactions that re- that have unpredictability to it. Um, the benefit of researching things is it's just you and your intellect and in your book. Remember, intellect is never a part of autism or ADHD so you're still very you know highly <clears throat>
0: it's not a intellect is not a part of them
1: their intellect is never um how do I say it so high intellect is common with um neurobiodiversity meaning you're very you're very smart. you're genius level um very smart I'm struggling to speak. <laughs>
0: I, I know you were gonna say intelligent and said smart and. Smart. I was
1: well. See, that's my brain. It does those things with words. It You're just... very smart, intelligent, Rochelle. Oh, I like that word. Sm- Sm- smart, intelligent, smart, intelligent. Yes, I can say it. Yeah. Um, no, it's smart though because turning your passions into a career is one of the things that um, can help to boost self-esteem, but it can also make it a little bit more difficult to tease apart that there's autism there because you've you've aligned your interests with your professional um career pathway.
0: Right. Which well, I mean, I, for me it's unfortunate because I don't uh I've been trying to take my obsessive interests like things like video editing and mm-hmm. and apply that in a way and I can sometimes do it at work, but it's not to the degree that would be helpful to uh really make me feel like I was um, not, you know, like people say, if if you find a job that,
1: that you love, that, that it's love, never work,
0: you'll never work a day in your life. Like I, I've, <laughs> I, I, I'd love to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, just like me earlier today, you know, I was making music and then I was like, oh crap, I got to go record the podcast. <coughs> That's one of my, my interests that I, I try to learn everything about like all the equipment and everything that I'm using. Right. So, Um, All right, let's move on to the next one here.
1: Number five is camouflaging. Autistic women tend to have a greater desire to be sociable than autistic men and spend considerable amount of time and energy masking and camouflaging. This is what you said earlier. The difference is in order to pass as normal. Although neurotypicals of both genders and autistic men also camouflage, women with autism tend to do so to far higher degrees. This is true.
0: So that seems to be the, the point of this article, it's explaining that women are it better at camouflaging, better at fitting in, and so they're able to kind of disappear into the neurotypical realm mm-hmm. and probably suffer very much so, or because they're unable to really fully display you know who they really are because they're trying so hard to fit in right whereas you know men are not as capable <laughs> you guys
1: can't fake it <laughs> is, just you are who you are i'm,
0: I'm pretty good at it because you know anyone that knows me that found out that i was autistic was like you know that's kind of the you know you don't look <coughs> autistic it's like what does an autistic person look like
1: right well, because you have that comedy factor. So, like, you've always been observing. Remember, we talked about it in an earlier episode that some of the skill set of this comes down to your observational capacities. Like, how well are you... How how capable are you at, at, at observing your surrounding and then figuring out how you can fit in? Um, some people can just do that better than others. But one of the ways that I'm able to identify women with autism who probably who in most cases don't even know that they're autistic in my social settings nowadays is the fact that when I see them interact in a social group if you can tell that they're really not happy with their interactions like they're not being themselves they don't feel like they're being themselves you can just tell um and I'm like wow they're really trying they're trying so hard that they're not even them and then when you get that person one on one, and they're a completely different energy, and they their their warmth is different, and their their relatability is different, and you know the, even their emotional expression is better, and you see that sharp contrast, I go okay. So you, I'm I'm starting to be able to to notice camouflaging pretty instantly now, and it just actually makes me realize how <laughs> blind most neurotypical people are in their constructs of being like you know gossipy and all up in topics that don't matter and they're just missing true connections it's really interesting it's fascinating well camouflaging is meant to (laughs) mirror you said you wanted a response so i was trying to yeah no think about it though because like when you and i can connect on something and we really can get to the heart of a matter and we can go back and forth that's reciprocal right we can
0: Reciprocity.
1: Re- there you go. We can talk back and forth on the same topic. Both people feel heard. Both people, you know, like their points of view matter. Um, and that's a level of um, of social interaction that people are really craving. But yet you when you don't do that and you totally fake it, you know, you could just sit there and talk about celebrities and the news and politics and all the stuff and you just throw facts around. You're not really connecting. You're just interacting you see the difference yes yes no i think i do i'm just saying what you're talking uh, about
0: i mean blending in yeah a lot of times you do have to kind of throw facts around right to but, so you don't look like an idiot
1: right but when you have a, a narrow um point of shared uh, how am i trying to say like if your interest are narrow you don't have that wide wide range of just facts to throw i have
0: a wide range of things i'm interested in as long as they have to do with movies
1: (laughs) (laughs) movies from the 80s movies from the 70s movies from the
0: movies from every decade there you go um all right number six okay this is
1: a really big one
0: all right i'm reading yes sleep issues number six many women with autism experience difficulty sleeping Often, this is caused by sensory issues, including a high sensitivity to noise at night and problems feeling comfortable. The presence of another person can exacerbate sleep issues.
1: This is a really short paragraph. It's missing, I think, um, a really important point here. It's not just sensory issues. Well, I think those can be more easily solved because we have solutions for weighted blankets and white noise machines and... Um, music or things like that I think the bigger issue for sleep issues is anxiety it's untreated unrecognized uh, anxiety
0: yes I I can attest to this myself because I had terrible sleep issues uh, before I found the right medication Mm -hmm. and I would just be up at night (laughs) and there were literally times where I was up so late that I would just not sleep Mm -hmm. and so I would just stay up and so Rochelle would get up in the morning and be like are you uh still up and I'm like yep
1: still up yep this is gonna be a fun day yeah not good well and then there are many times where you just had to wear yourself out it was like you know as many things as you could do in the middle of the night and then you'd finally fall asleep in front of the tv I actually at one point before Samsung ruined it all I had the ability to turn the tv off with my cell phone because samsung samsung could talk so i could hear when you were asleep and turn the tv off from the other room about three o'clock in the morning when you'd finally just run out of gas (laughs) yeah that was fun it was not cool but anxiety i mean it's interesting because she made this point right at the beginning of the article about ruminating on you know social interactions that didn't go well and that's one of those things you know like when you when, you have, when you're replaying all those social interactions in your mind, you go, oh gosh, did I, did I miss a cue here? Did I say that right? I should have said this. Oh, I should have said that. And that is really what, that dialogue, that inner dialogue, can just destroy someone's sleep. I mean, neurotypical or neurodiverse, the same, but it more so with neurobiodiversity because, because you're so anxious about missing the social cues. You're working so hard to get it right that your brain just kind of puts it on that hamster wheel. And then you add that element of fear like, did I get it right the last time? Am I going to get it right the next time? Am I going to screw it up and then you're you're you just can't downregulate. Sleep requires the body to downregulate in order to integrate. If you can't downregulate and integrate, well, then you masturbate. <laughs> that's funny. <coughs> I did not see that coming. I should have, but I didn't.
0: You did not see that coming. I did
1: not. Oh, that's funny. That's not what I meant. <laughs>
0: Pun I've, intended.
1: I have been on Sudafed Ayo. for a straight month.
0: <laughs> Sorry. It rhymed. I had uh, I had to say it.
1: I walked right into it. You did. All right, number seven. So that's my but that's my spiel backwards. on sleep issues. Um I do think that really strong routines at night, you know, speaking of down regulation routines about like baths or reducing screen time or going for a walk or journaling or just anything to kind of help you kind of bring that level of um, anxiety down will make a dramatic difference in sleep issues. But sleep issues seem to be chronic in neurobiodiversity across the sta- the scale, and they start as early as infancy, unfortunately.
0: Number seven, difficulties with eye contact. Yes. Making eye contact can be extremely challenging for people with autism. Women in particular often become skilled at forcing themselves to make eye contact. If they do this enough, it may start to feel more natural to them. Thus, a woman with autism may be okay at making eye contact because she's learned to do so. But if it feels unnatural or hard, it could be potentially a sign of autism. Uh, I actually saw in one of my Facebook groups the other day, someone posted something about making eye contact. And it was something about like being in a job interview. It said, make sure that you make a lot of eye contact, but don't stare. And then one of the comments just said, I guess I'm never going to have a job because that sounds impossible. And it it is, it's, it is a weird thing that you don't really think about because I'm able to make eye contact, but it's like make eye contact, but don't make too much eye contact. So you have to, Force yourself to make eye contact and then you have to force yourself to stop making eye contact so that you don't look like a fucking psychopath.
1: Right. So this is a really interesting point. And she says in here, if they do this enough, it may start to feel natural to them. Now, I agree and disagree with this statement because... One of the things that is really clear with autism is that it's above all, if you read the Diagnostic Standards Manual 5 or the DSM-5, which is the criteria for being diagnosed with autism, it talks about difficulty um, with eye contact, right? Your ability to connect with other people. But When they, when you boil down what goes into autism, I believe it's really a disorder of intuition. And it's not necessarily that you can't intuit some answer, but it's intuitive learning. It's intuitive observation in terms of behavioral and social responses. So typically when you see and observe someone, you'll learn just by watching them do something and then you'll start doing it yourself. Well, that's not true in autism. In autism, you're kind of a little bit more focused on what's going on in your own mind and in your own heart and you don't really care what anyone else is doing so you're missing the things that are like tone of voice or the gestures or eye contact this is all called programmatic language it's now a separate part of speech and language because it's all the nonverbal pieces and it's the nonverbal pieces that are really characteristic of autism that aren't necessarily learned which is true right because they're not there's not that piece of observation but What I do find interesting is that women, specifically more so than men, again, because they're working so much harder to try and fit in, is that women will watch um, either social media or movies, or they'll watch for these social cues, usually in the time between when they're aging like 15 to 25, and then they'll copy whatever was cool at that time and usually play it like a record in social situations. That's how they respond. Almost identically every single time that's another way i i've started to notice i'm like okay someone's running a social pattern here because um they've said okay in this just like she says um, you force yourself to do it the challenge is that normally those behaviors change over time in a person they change as you age and in an autistic individual they don't always you don't always update that program you're still running the same program years and years and years later so very quickly your social expressions start to feel outdated but you don't know that because you're running a program you see what i'm saying
0: yes i do we talked about this the other day yes uh, sorry it's sometimes when you have so much to say i can't comment because it's like so many paragraphs of information.
1: I know it's a sad. I can only comment on the end. (laughs) I know. I was just, it's a sad quality. I can't say things in one sentence. Sadg. Sagittarius. I, yes, I know I say too many things at once. I'm working on it. Okay. Um, where was I? But it's a, so you can see when, um, women do force eye contact because it almost feels rehearsed. It almost feels like a dance.
0: Okay. Yeah, I I I'm, I'm agreeing. I think that everything you said sounds correct to me.
1: It's not just yes, thank you. It's not just that, but there's there are certain people in our in our day-to-day life um, luckily they don't come up every day, but in the social interactions, it's not just like tone of voice, but there's certain facial expressions that some people will make. Is it, have, you, have you picked up on certain people in our surroundings who do this? Like,
0: oh, you're talking about your mom? I am. Yeah. Yeah, my- She does that weird smile face thing.
1: Right. That you're like, that has no bearing on the current conversation. She's just more importantly, she's just Oh, I wasn't listening. Let me just make this face at you. And you'll think I was paying attention. (laughs) It's totally...
0: It felt like a quiz. That was a tough one. I was like, who do I know that does
1: that? Trying not to, you know, point it out. But at the same time, I know you'd know.
0: Well, I mean, you asked me, so I wasn't not supposed to say.
1: Yes. No, it's fine. Because... Yes, I think it's true.
0: Yes, no, it's fine. I think it's true. That coming, That is exactly what it's like to be a man. Is when you ask a woman questions, she says, yes, no, <laughs> it's fine. Which means nothing. <laughs> it
1: means nothing. Thank Sorry. you. Right. Sorry. <laughs> it's as clear as mud.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a Southern saying, right? It is. All right, it's as clear as mud. That's right. Better than a sharp stick in the eye. <laughs> um, <laughs> number eight, emotional regulation... Yeah. Emotional regulation issues and meltdowns. Women with autism often have problems with emotional regulation. Mm -hmm. So do regular women.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I mean, this is true.
0: Research has shown that there is uh, a poor connection between the frontal cortex and the amygdala in people with autism. Right. Put simply, the amygdala can be thought of as an emotion center in our brain as it's part of our limbic system and and our mammalian brain. The frontal cortex can be thought of as our thinking brain, the more rational part of our brain, which makes judgments because of the poor connection between the two areas. Women with autism may find it hard to rationalize situations and stay in control. Oh my God, all women must be autistic. That's <laughs> what it says. Many describe having meltdowns, extreme emotional reactions to situations that might result in losing their temper, crying or going into shutdown mode. Yeah. Yep. So that seems more related to a female perspective than a male perspective for sure as far as all of these items on a list go just talking about the connection between the emotional and thinking center because a lot I mean not to say that I've never had a temper tantrum in my life I have but right. a lot of times it's it, it would be more I think shutdown mode is probably more appropriate I'm either in that or exploding.
1: Well, so before your medication, though, I think this was very true. I think you were, you were having a lot of meltdowns. The emotional regulation piece was, was really high in terms of like you couldn't get your hands around it. You couldn't get your arms around it. Just, and it was triggered a lot by transitions. When you had to transition into something that felt chaotic, then boom. It was just too much to process. But to your point where I, where we, I think we see this the most um, is in children because they don't have necessarily the tools to communicate. And so the emotional regulation feels bigger, and then the tantrums and the meltdowns and the shutdowns come more often. But in women, I mean, hormonally, it's just not stacked in our favor at all. Because... Here um, comes another
0: big paragraph.
1: (laughs) I was going to keep it really small and just said, unless there was chocolate all over the house, this is a really big issue because hormonally just, I mean... Man, (laughs) it throws a wrench into this whole situation, but it's very true.
0: Are we ready to move on to the next one?
1: Mm -hmm. I paused.
0: Stimming, number nine. Stimming, short for self-stimulating behavior, refers to repetitive behaviors. The most obvious behaviors we associate with autism are rocking, hand flapping, repetition of words or phrases, and rocking or spinning. Man, we sound awesome. (laughs) However, women with autism may display other stimming behaviors such as skin picking, feet rubbing, pacing, or hair twirling. People with autism tend to stim more than other people and may not be aware of their behaviors. It is thought that stimming is a self-regulation tool.
1: Well, and it is because if you think about it, what stimming is in in situations for both men and women described here is it's some sort of movement um, and... It's sensory regulating. So we go, oh, it's stimming. It's, you know, short for self-stimulating behavior. But what's flapping? I mean, you're actually, you're moving your hands, you're, which is a way to downregulate the central nervous system. Even feet rubbing or pacing, um, it's a nervous energy habit. Hair twirling, you know, it's when you are you have a nervous energy. I did think that this call-out was really um, on point. Because most people don't think of skin picking, feet rubbing, pacing, or hair twirling as stimming. And I think it absolutely is. And and there's a few others, too. I didn't
0: realize that I should be dating an autistic chick. I'm getting feet rubbed. I know. Well, situation yeah. Situation going. And it'd be like, hey, why don't you come stim over here?
1: <laughs> there you go. You should bring
0: those stimmy hands over here. As only
1: Blake st- can say. <laughs> what? That's
0: funny. Um... I can uh, attest to this because the other day it was pouring rain. Uh, Actually, it was, was it the day that we almost recorded a podcast? Yeah. Was that last week when it started pouring rain? Yeah, it was. And so I, I left all the recording equipment over here and I went out into the rain and I noticed that when I was in, like, I hate rain. I don't like being in the rain. I don't like getting my feet wet. It really bothers me. And you know if we're talking about like oh i just don't like it no like i what's what's the phrase it it was referred to earlier was um was it tolerate i don't remember you can't
1: yeah it's true i mean your pain scale and your sensory sensitive um sensory sensitivity when it comes to water is completely different than a neurotypical water on your skin can actually be painful Especially rain. You you wouldn't be the first autistic friend of mine to say that the rain hurts.
0: Yeah, that's actually. I wrote a song called "Rain Hurts."
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, it's really good. Okay. Um, I'll play it. I'll play it in a minute. Rain hurts. Um, so anyway, so like when I was running in the rain, trying to get th- you know to, and it's not very far <laughs> to get from one apartment to the other, but I noticed that I took my I take my hand, and I like wave it i guess that's the flapping thing
1: yeah exactly. it looks like flapping uh-huh yeah yeah so i
0: was like and then i i stopped and i'm like wow well, i'm mental <laughs> but i realized that
1: you why were doing was that to doing run it, through the water to get through the water oh because it's almost like you didn't want it to hit your hands
0: no it was that i was it's it was an impulse i was just doing it to self to self-stimulate myself gotcha through the rain okay and then i stopped and i was but i but i became very self-aware about it i was like whoa that was so weird i because i don't really do that very often if i'm stimming it's it's things that i think i'm almost even hiding from myself right but i've tried to allow myself to feel more comfortable doing it so i will rock once in a while but usually for me it's like i shake my legs
1: yeah normally it's um, that foot tapping or i
0: fidget with my hands and stuff like that yeah. um i don't usually do flapping stuff but that's when the because ang- the anxiety of being wet mm-hmm. hits uh a point that uh, not that i'm beyond uncomfortable with
1: right it can actually be painful i mean i've i've had friends explain
0: that well it's not just i don't like being wet right unless i'm in a pool and i'm in like a bathing suit You know, like it's situational. I, I, you know, it's like I can take a shower, but I'm prepared for that. Mm -hmm. I'm not really prepared to be like in the rain. And I don't, I'm never, I never have liked the rain ever.
1: No. And your clothes feel really different. You already have a texture challenge. You know, you're sensitive to textures and how that feels on your skin and, and, and being a Floridian, I mean, we played it out in the rain my whole life. So it's like when your clothes are drenched on you, they're heavy, they're stiff, they're cold. You know, I mean, it, it takes all those textures and it just turns it up to 11 and, and it makes it really uncomfortable unless you like that feeling. But um, it's really common that that rain will, you know, come with um, that pelting feeling. And so now your clothes are soaked and they're heavy and they're stiff. And now the rain is still hitting your body and it's just amplifying that feeling on your Um, on your skin and making it 10 times worse. So, I mean, I, I used to drive me nuts that you didn't like the rain being that I love the rain and I love to play in the rain. And now I have a total new level of respect for it. Understanding why, you know, because your spinal nerves just, they process that information so differently and, and it, it demands respect. Like just because it's a difference doesn't mean it's worse. It's just your, your, your perception of it is completely unique
0: uh we were there's that episode of the bachelorette the other day and she runs out and she's talking about the fact that she lives in uh
1: where she live again?
0: Seattle. She, yeah, she, she lives in Seattle, and he's from New Jersey or something. And so they like, they run outside, and they had like this fake rainstorm, and they're like making out in the rain. And I just remember watching it, and you could hear the music, like the romantic music's playing and everything. And to me, I'm like, this is not fucking romantic at oh, all. Oh, and
1: I was digging it. I was like, oh, that'd be so amazing. Yeah, and I'm like
0: man, they need to go back inside. And then they <laughs> did it again. They were sitting on a park bench and yeah. He was like, "Oh, I'm from New Jersey, and it rains there." Click, and then the rain starts pouring. And I'm like, "Oh my god, I would be f- so miserable yeah. if this was happening." I'm like, can we go make out somewhere else, please?
1: But you know, like I thought it was also a smart thing to add into the show because it- that's
0: how you figure. That's how you figure out if people are autistic. Just or have a fake compatible. rainstorm, right? And then you just put them out in the <coughs> water and just see all the people that become super <laughs> pissed off and miserable. Uh, and not even pissed off, but like almost like afraid, right? <laughs> to get wet, and then like, like oh god, wet. no, yeah. Well, and then you'll you'll have all your autistic people.
1: Uh, so my cousin, uh, my dear sweet cousin, um, she is she's autistic, also inattentive ADHD, and so she has a very hypersensitive system. And then in some areas, she has a system that you know has those um, those dullness to it. And but when it comes to rain, <clears throat> she's been hypersensitive to rain. And, um, her mom has done a really great job of supporting her body, you know, through having a parasympathetic dominant system, which means that you, you have to constantly be supporting,
0: slow it down, parasympathetic (laughs) dominant system,
1: parasympathetic dominant system is what happens when you have, when your nervous system is living chronically in fight or flight. So when you chronically live in fight or flight, your digestive system doesn't work correctly. Your immune system doesn't work. It doesn't produce, um, you know, the immune building colonies that it needs. Your um, sensory processing systems don't work correctly because they are hypersensitive and your whole body from head to toe. Um, even your alert system is kind of queued up to help you run away from tiger or, you know, fight or flight. We've talked about who's tiger. <laughs> Anyone can be tiger. You mean a tiger? A tiger, yes. Okay. When but, you
0: said tiger, I was like, <laughs>
1: "Sorry, I've been saying this phrase a lot, so it's it's gotten condensed." But my point is that um, she has been well nourished and supported with all of her biological systems for the last couple of years, and so in the past, if she was going to go out into the rain, she had to be totally covered with an umbrella and a raincoat and rain boots and everything. And because she, it was the water was so uncomfortable. And I was talking to her mom this week and. Her mom says, oh my gosh, it was raining and, and this is Arizona rain. Like when it falls, it's it's big water drops and it's can be quite painful. She goes all the way out and she takes care of the chickens and she didn't have a raincoat on, she didn't have an umbrella, she didn't have anything on. And my aunt was like, oh my gosh, honey, why didn't you put anything on? And her response was just amazing. She comes back and she goes, well, mom, the rain didn't feel like pellets anymore. And I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, that to be able to describe rain in that way, I think was really illuminating because that's her honest.
0: I thought you were going to say she used her mental acuity and autisticness to control the weather. <laughs> so the what, so the rain drops didn't touch her anymore.
1: No, I mean, she does have those like kinds storm of superpowers, ex- right? Is your
0: cousin an X-man?
1: She would be a great X Men, actually. Or an ex woman. An ex woman, <laughs> but um, but no, I just, but it does illustrate the point of how you know rain to me just feels soothing on my skin, but it actually felt like rain pellets to her until recently, and um, it's a big, it's a big point here.
0: It is. Speaking of big points, let's get to number ten. Okay. Anxiety and depression.
1: Yes, this is funny because. I, d- I think it's interesting that it's this hilarious. is point number 10, when in fact, anxiety and depression are also pieces of the neurobiodiversity scale. So it's interesting that she's listing them here as like an indicator.
0: Well, it is. They do say that it's a lot of times there is a huge link between anxiety and depression and autism.
1: I think it's almost 100% of the time.
0: So let me read it, please. <laughs> anxiety and depression are not universal symptoms of autism. But because life is difficult for many women with autism, it is common for them to experience mental health issues like anxiety, depression, or problems with addiction. There is also a far higher than average rate of suicidality. Did I say that right?
1: You did, although it's a weird word.
0: Suicidality in women... With autism, which appears to be related to the degree of camouflaging they engage in. Mm -hmm. Though their autism goes undiagnosed, it is more likely than that they will receive a formal diagnosis for anxiety, depression, or other mental health issue.
1: Right. Mood disorders is a... Yeah.
0: Anyone who identified the above symptoms should seek out professional help. Agreed. Autism displays... Similar symptoms to other conditions and a formal diagnosis can help establish whether or not autism may be at play. And there's nothing better than watching autism play with itself. What? (laughs) I added that last part.
1: I saw. (laughs) Well, I mean, this is it, but her point is correct, right? Because if you spend all of your time trying to fit in with people and they're not spending any time trying to fit back in with you, or you're trying to leverage your, your, your shared interests you know into other people who have a very wide range of shared interests I mean that on in itself is stressful and it's unpredictable and it can just create all these challenges because you don't feel comfortable being yourself you don't feel accepted for who you are you don't even feel like you can present who you are um, to a group of people so I totally agree with this as being an important piece of the puzzle to address but I do believe that if you are experiencing anxiety and depression or one or the other, and you kind of know that piece for sure, that can also be a strong um, conversation starter with your doctor that says, these are some of the other things I'm experiencing. I mean, I think it's really important for anyone who thinks they might have autism, instead of trying to take some of the autism tests, just Google the diagnostic criteria for autism spectrum disorder and read it. Because when you start to see exactly what is in the diagnostic criteria, it's almost easier at that point to identify or or um, discriminate away from it and say, no, that's really not me. But still take all that conversation into a medical or mental health professional. Yeah, do that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to add is... Uh, You know, we're coming to the end of the episode here, but um, I would be interested in interviewing someone um, Mm -hmm. on the show. So if anyone has any interest, please reach out to us on the Facebook group. Um, You can just, or you can just, you know, do send a private message. Um, Whichever is you're comfortable. Yeah. Whichever you're more comfortable with. And uh, what we would basically do is set it up as a Zoom call. Mm-hmm. And try and extract the audio that way, uh, record the video, and then uh, you know use it and use it in an episode. So we would because it's it's great to get other people's perspectives, uh, especially you know we're talking about uh, men versus women here as far as how how autism presents itself. So uh, that's not to say that we wouldn't want to hear from someone else that is uh, a man. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Open to everyone. I mean, and I think we've also explored. Whether this is pertinent to you as an individual and or um, you as a parent, like we could be calling in to discuss your children because we're right. we're working Absolutely. with this multi-generational, like we've identified neurobiodiversity in our parents, um, in our own generation, in our children's generation. So um, really the floor is open to any of those.
0: Floor is wide open.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat>
0: So again, don't forget to check us out on Facebook at You Don't Sound Autistic, and share the podcast with everybody you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, make some autistic friends and force them to listen. Do whatever you got to do. Hey, cat, to the, the cat's trying. To
1: <laughs> She's trying to get the interview spot. She wants to be interviewed. She
0: wants to be on the show.
1: You gonna be interviewed for dinner? <laughs> mm.
0: I would not want to eat that cat. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Oh, I thought you said interviewer for dinner. No,
1: she's asking for dinner.
0: Oh, I understand now. Okay, okay. All right. Uh, this has been another episode of You Don't Sound Autistic. I'm Blake. And I'm Michelle. And we will be back.
1: I don't think you have to edit any of that out. Okay.
0: <coughs> Even all your coffee? Leave it.